Reinhardt Story. You're here with Joe and Laura Melama. Today we're going to talk to John Reinhardt, the author and speaker of Gospel Patrons and Giving Together. And this is part two of a two-part series. In part one, we got to hear about the Gospel Patrons ministry. And today we get to hear about John and his wife Renee's personal story with the Jesus Film Project and how God led them to Africa to be part of the first showing of the Das Nash translation that they helped sponsor. Well, welcome back, John. We're really glad to have you on this next episode. Glad to be here. And yeah, we love talking to you last time all about gospel patrons and your ministry. And this time we want to hear about how your actual ministry and your you and Renee's life intertwines with the Jesus film and how you got started and how it all happened. That'd be great. Yeah. Is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> so last time we spoke with you, you talked about generosity in terms of the gospel patrons ministry that you head up. And um, it's not just theoretical for you and Renee. It's actually something that um, you've experienced yourself and you have a specific adventure in generosity. Um, and in that regard, we know that you have a very special place in your heart for the Jesus Film Project. Can you tell us how you came to be involved with the Jesus Film? Yeah, absolutely. I was in. I wrote a book called Gospel Patrons and started to get invited to speak to different groups of business leaders, and then that translated into some donor weekends for a variety of ministries. And I got an invitation to speak at a Jesus Film briefing weekend. I hadn't known much about the Jesus Film up until that point. I knew there was a Jesus Film, and that was probably about it. So sitting in the back of the ballroom on the first night, it was quite overwhelming to hear the different testimonies that, that the Jesus Film has been the most uh, effective and successful evangelistic tool in history that 500 million people have come to faith in Jesus through watching this film in their language. I mean, we were, wow. we were blown away. And then all of a sudden we had, we, we were exposed to this idea that the Jesus film is global leaders at dubbing this film into the languages of the world. I mean, we're ta- not just talking major languages. We're talking the smallest, remotest, you know, most obscure, tiny little language, the Jesus film can learn that language and then put it into the film. And so village people in the ends of the earth are getting an opportunity to hear the gospel of Luke through the the film about Jesus. It's incredible. Well, we're sitting in the back hearing all of this, just trying to take it in. And then they show this little film. It's always the films. <laughs> they show us this little film <laughs> that really wrecked us because it was a story of this other couple who had funded the translation of a Jesus film into an Ethiopian language. And they actually got to travel there, push play on the projector, and see these tribal people hear about Jesus for the first time. And it was overwhelming, partly overwhelming, because mm-hmm. just a couple years prior, we had adopted two children from Ethiopia. And so this was taking us back there going, man, what if our children were in that tribe or in that people group who had never had the chance to hear about Jesus? What would we give so that our kids could know about Jesus? So the end of the weekend, they made an invitation to give to the Jesus film and you could give to a variety of projects and tasks that they were, they were going after. But one of them was you could give to fund the translation of a Jesus film into a, a language. And, you know, for a lot of us, we go, well, how many languages are there in the world? Is it just, you know, maybe 30 or, you know, kind of the major, there's Hindi and there's Mandarin. And I mean, what, what else do we got? <laughs> there's French, obviously, Italian. There's 7,000 languages in the world. I mean, 7,000 languages in the world. And most of them we've never heard of. 
And so the, the Jesus film is doing pioneering work to try to take this film and push it, not just to the major language groups, but to the remotest places on the planet because Jesus needs to go there. And a lot of those people are illiterate. So they get a chance to watch the gospel of Luke in their heart language. It's powerful. And so we ran up quickly to the man who was in charge of this list of languages and said, do you have any more in Ethiopia? And he said, yeah, we have two. We said, put us down, we'll take them. And so we began to fund uh, two languages for the Jesus film in Ethiopia, which was a huge step of faith for us, but so exciting at the same time. Hmm. And then you got the rare opportunity with that language to go back there. Yeah, it was. How was that? Yeah, they said that, you know, not everybody in every language is actually even safe to travel and see the premiere. And sometimes it's premiered, you know, kind of quietly and privately. And other times you can do a big public premiere. But in one of the people groups that we had sponsored, they contacted us and said, we're going to do a premiere. And this is actually the 1500th. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> 1500th language. I mean, that's incredible that the Jesus yeah. film was now going to be in was one that we got a chance to sponsor. And they said, we love you to come and be a part of that premiere in mm-hmm. Southern Ethiopia. And we, it was so special because we got a chance to bring our children back to Ethiopia. We got a chance to invest in the country that they came from and travel to this unbelievably remote place. I mean, many of us have traveled and got to see a lot of different things. I had never seen anything like this place in Southern Ethiopia. It's on the border mm-hmm. of Ethiopia and Kenya, and most people are not wearing clothes. Uh, these people are living in little huts. They're, it's dusty and dirty. They are so far from any civilization. And they're not in schools. They're not reading books. They're hunters. They're farmers. And we got a chance to go with the Jesus Film Organization and in the city street or, you know, the village square or whatever, set up these huge screens and the crowds just gathered because they had never seen a movie before. And the first movie they were going to get to see was in their heart language and it was the Jesus Film. And so this thing just rallied hundreds and hundreds of people gathering around the screen waiting for this thing to start. And we're just looking around going, I can't believe we get to be a part of this. <laughs> like we got to be a part wow. of this for three years through our giving. This is crazy. I mean, it was actually quite surreal. Mm. Did you guys, when you watched the video that kind of drew you to do this in the first place, did it remind you of that? Or was the responses a response of the children and the people? Yeah. Cause I've seen that video and it just, it brings you to tears the response of the crucifixion yeah. and him rising again. Did you get to see any of yeah, that? Yeah, we, we did a little bit. I mean, the the place that we were was even more remote than the video that we had seen. I mean, we're sitting okay. we're sitting on the desk surrounded by mostly naked people and lots of naked children for sure. <laughs> but their, their, their eyes are fixed on the screen. But it was also, I mean, it was a... Uh, a people group that wasn't actually very emotional. Uh, they're hunters. They're strong, and so there wasn't a sense that they were they were weeping. So, I mean, some were, but they were they were locked in and just. I guess the question was we we couldn't communicate with them except through translators. But we're just sitting there going, "What are they thinking? They're seeing you know first century you know reenactment of the first century in the middle east and here they are in southern ethiopia like what kind of things must be going through their minds wow it was amazing that's a really good point cuz we're you you know we know the history we've right 
read the Bible, we've seen reenactments of different films. So you're, that's interesting. Well, all of a sudden you're seeing the, like the Roman guards who are carrying Jesus away and you're going, they don't understand Rome. They don't know what they, these soldiers would have looked like, but they laughed at different parts that we wouldn't have expected them to laugh at. And so actually, because they were farmers and worked with animals so much, there was, they were fascinated seeing animals on screen. And so, you know, the, there's the part of the film where the, this Jesus casts the demon out of someone and he sends it into the 2,000 pigs and they run down a cliff and drown in the water. They laughed at that. They thought it was hilarious. <laughs> We're just kind of looking at each other going, I, I don't get it, but there's something in that that's really amusing to them. So That's great. And I love that you wrote the gospel patron book already before this happened. And then God laid this opportunity at your feet a year or so after you had written that and put it out. And then you got to be the gospel patron for this project. Yeah, you know, it's, it, was, it was unbelievable because um, along the journey, my, my first huge step of giving wasn't actually giving to our local church and tithing and learning to, learning to give that way. It was when my wife said, you know, we really ought to support our first missionary couple. And these were people that we knew. We had visited them in India. We'd been you know, on the field. We've seen that they're doing good work. We knew that they had needs. And she said, let's give to them. Well, I had just graduated from grad school, which meant I didn't have a job. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I just finished seminary. And so the, the hope of me ever making money again just sort of flew out the window. And she says, yeah, we, we really, John, I really think we ought to start giving to them. And I just flat out said no. It's like, I, I don't have a job. Like, no. And then the Holy Spirit really knocked on my heart and said, this isn't about money. This is about your heart. Your heart's either going to grow bigger and wider toward my work in the world or smaller, colder, darker, and harder. That was it. And I knew that I did not make up those thoughts. I knew God was speaking to me. And I just thought, man, the last thing I want is a small, cold, dark heart or a small world that's just all about me and my little kingdom. And so I came back to my wife and I said, fine, fine, fine. hundred bucks a month. We're in. We're going to start supporting this missionary couple. And God provided for us pretty powerfully two weeks later. Uh, the job that I had been seeking and pursuing as a writer came through. Funding for us to do that came through. And God was waiting to say, you step out and I'll step out. You give and I'll give and I will always outgive you. And so when the opportunity came along to give to the Jesus film, we learned that the cost of funding these two translations into the Ethiopian languages was going to, at the time, I don't know what it is now, but at the time it was $38,000. And in the, at that time we had $5,000 in the bank <laughs> and we were, but we knew God was leading us to do it. And so we said, yes, let's jump in. So we emptied the bank, a bank account. I don't know if you've ever had that experience as a giver. It's actually pretty fun. It's exhilarating. It's a little bit like uh, snowboarding down a really steep cliff or jumping out of an airplane with a parachute for the first time. You get a sense of like, this is a thrill. God's going to have to show up. And he did. <laughs> so we gave $5,000 initially and then committed in faith that over the next 33 months, we were going to give $1,000 a month, which seemed impossible on top of our giving to our church wow. and a handful of other missionaries. This, this was on top wow. of all that. Um, but God was incredibly faithful amidst challenging months and difficult times. He reminded us again, oh yeah, I'm your provider of your daily bread and your money to give. I, I can provide for you. 
And so we're able to fulfill that commitment, wow. which was just such a great joy. So, so tell us, tell us a little bit. I know from talking with you and Renee in the past that um, it wasn't easy to follow through with that commitment. And there were a lot of sacrifices along the way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we've made some different lifestyle choices in order to be able to give more. Uh, we haven't been pursuing purchasing a home or saving for that just because we want to live, we want to travel light and we want to run fast. And another piece of it is we just love giving and don't want all of our money that we'd give to giving to be locked up in a 30 year mortgage. We just rather, we just have a lot more fun giving and storing up treasure in heaven and contributing to God's kingdom. And so those are some of the lifestyle choices. But there was one particular month that was really hard. Um, our ministry was young and new, and God was calling us to experiment and try a whole bunch of different things and really teaching us to walk by faith. And he called us to do a conference in Silicon Valley, California, that we had never done before. We didn't have a budget for, but we knew he was calling us to do it. So we launched off, tried to do this conference, and we were trying to do it with excellence, which meant it wasn't cheap. I don't know if you've ever tried to do a conference before, but there's a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of, a lot of costs. And we got down to the point where all these things start adding up and we just put all of our personal savings, any, any kind of personal income that we had into this event on top of all of our ministry budget. And we, I mean, we were down to zero across the board everywhere and got to the point where we were emptying the cupboards of all the cans of black beans that you just save for a rainy day. And we're pulling that kind of stuff out. All the oatmeal was gone. Our fridge is empty. You're starting to use the stuff in the back of the freezer and not just run to the grocery <laughs> store and slap it on a credit card. And I was really convicted that we weren't just going to run to debt, that God pr promised to provide for our needs. And he never promised to pay off our credit card bill when we kind of run to take matters into our own hands. But we came to the point one day where I met with our team in the office at, at work, and I, I just said, guys, pray for us. Um, I need to pick my son up from school today. My car is on empty and the light is on, and I don't have money to buy gas. And we used all of the last oatmeal for breakfast, and so I don't know what I'm going to feed my family tomorrow. Um, we know God is good. I mean, you know, we know he's in this, but it's not easy. And I think sometimes we're really afraid of, pushing into those places uh, where we're not comfortable and pushing into those places where God really does have to show up. But man, all throughout scripture, God calls his people to do radical and impossible things because he loves to show up and get the glory. I mean, think back to the book of Joshua where he tells his people, yeah, march around this, this walled city for seven days. Don't say anything or do anything. Don't try to fight it or attack it. Just march around it. Then on the seventh day, march around seven times and then yell loudly, blow your trumpet, scream, and I promise you something cool is going to happen. <laughs> like what kind of strategy is that? Or with Gideon and his army fighting against thousands and God whittles down his army to 300 men. God loves to win impossible victories, impossible battles. And we almost never put ourselves in a position of need where he would have to do that for us. I love a title of a book by John Ortberg that just this, the title of the book alone is amazing. He says, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. And I think, I think for most mm. of us, we never really want to get out of the boat. We want to see miracles. We want to see God do amazing things, but we don't want to get out of the boat. Why would we want to get out of the boat? Especially financially, money can have such a strong hold on our hearts. So this was a great opportunity for us to put our money where our mouth was and say, all right, do you really believe this or not? Are you really willing to obey when there's a cost? And, you know, a few days mm -hmm. 
go by and God starts providing for us. Our, our team members bought groceries and filled our car with gas. And they said, we're in this with you. We care. God is in this. And they didn't write us a huge check or anything, but they just took care of some of those needs that week. And God showed up the next week in a different way. And then by the time we got to that conference, we were doing a few large checks actually came in that we were not expecting that, you know, no one knew our needs were that severe or that that serious. And a few large checks came in at the perfect time. No bill got missed. Uh, we didn't go into deep debt. All of our provision was there for the ministry that we were doing, for the giving that we had, and for our family. God's provision is abundant. It's so abundant, but we wow. we often don't want to need it. So this was a great this is a great learning experience. Something I'll remember for the rest of my life. That's cool. What's your heart now <clears throat> towards the Dosnatch people? Like, how has God shaped that for you and Renee and your family? Personally? Yeah, that's a, that's a great um, question. I don't problem. know if I'm honest. I don't know that we have a huge. Our heart is still beating for that particular people group. I think I think it's more it's mm-hmm. still more broadly any way we can invest in Ethiopia we love to do that. And so it's not it's not as targeted maybe towards the Dasanach I think <clears throat> I still love getting updates about in you know, the Jesus film being used there and people coming to Christ and stuff like that. I mean that's exciting. But it's not a thought that in particular is um, comes to mind regularly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Is it, and so has your experience drawn you more into generosity? I mean, what, what's next for, for you and Renee and the family? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, ab- yeah. Besides picking in Hawaii, <laughs> coming up <laughs> at the Jesus Film Brief- Briefing 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Besides that. Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, God, God actually has called us to take another next step with giving that is even bigger than our step that we took with the Jesus film. And it was particularly around the issue of Bible translation. And, you know, we all, we all think, well, I can't really afford to give, or I don't really have time to give. And for us, we just went through this experience of pressing out and for three years, seeing God show up and fund us. Well, we were we're at an event that was talking about the needs of people who don't have scripture around the world and as particular the needs of the deaf and how the deaf there's 70 million deaf people in the world and only 2% of them have ever understood the gospel or received the gospel. You can't say 2% have ever heard the gospel because they're deaf, but they had like they right. deaf, deaf Deaf people don't get access to this news of Jesus. And oftentimes in countries far away from here are treated like animals and treated like subhuman people. So as much as we have a heart for illiterate tribal people like the Dasanach, and we got a chance to serve them through the Jesus film, we, our hearts are beginning to break for the deaf. And we're at an event and I just said, Renee, I just can't not give, but we don't have any money because we've given it all away. And she's like, well, we actually do have some re- money in retirement. And she proposed that we empty our retirement account and give it away. And I was all in. I was like, this is great. Yes, let's do it. There's money that just been sitting there for 30 years from now. And there's people around the world who are dying and need Jesus. And so we had a chance to empty it and give to... Wow. 
Bible translation and specifically uh, sign language translation of the Bible that's happening in Ethiopia as well. And got a chance to visit some of these deaf Bible translators and see the hard work that they're doing to try to bring the message of Jesus and the word of God to people who really have never had the chance to receive it before. So God just keeps calling us further up and further in step by step. And every step is great and every step is challenging, but God is good. And um, we're just happy to be on the adventure and on the journey with him. That's awesome. So how has your experiences have with generosity, how have they shaped you to be more like Christ? How would you yeah. express that? Well, I think they've helped me to understand a connection that we often don't think about. I mean, think about the, the, the language that God uses in Scripture when he tries to define or explain our salvation. What does he say? He uses the word, words like ransom and redemption. You know, Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What is the ransom? It's the paying of a price so that someone in bondage can go free. Or the word redemption, what is that? The New Testament uses the word redemption as, as buying back a slave so that they can be free under a different master. There's financial elements to the descriptions that we have of our salvation, and we somehow tend to not think of those. We go, oh, wait a second. At the heart of what we believe is a generous God willing to give us his only son and a generous Savior giving us his life, breath, and everything. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit, and then he promises a kingdom, and then he gives us spiritual gifts, and then he gives us power to live out the Christian life so we don't have to do it in our own strength. Like, our God is a giver. He just keeps giving. That's who he is. And the nature of our salvation is his generosity was been bestowed on us undeserving sinners. I love thinking about salvation in terms of generosity because we all, I mean, generosity is just a beautiful word. It's a word that you think, and someone got a gift that they didn't earn or deserve. That's what it means to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. You've received a gift that you didn't earn or deserve through Jesus's death on the cross and resurrection for us. So I think the more we learn to give, the more we are just bearing the father's resemblance. We're bearing the family resemblance. This is who God is. This is what he's like. And I think it also takes the message of the gospel deeper into my own soul. How would you encourage others that are maybe even on the fence about these ideas or, or maybe considering, you know, giving sacrificially or, or writing a check they can't, that, that may not clear? What, what would a great you say question. to that person? I, I think my work with gospel patrons and our ministry has put me in touch with a lot of amazing people who have taken big steps of faith, particularly with giving. What I've seen is that in the stories of the people that I admire the most for their generosity, it really has been about God leading and them following. They don't see themselves as heroes or champions or look what I'm doing for the Lord with my great giving. They heard the voice of God. They heard the sort of the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. And instead of saying no, they said yes. And that yes was often out of their comfort zone. Mm. It was it's often uncomfortable and difficult. I mean, imagine being Abraham. God says, leave everything and everyone you know. Well, take your wife, take your dad and take your animals and, and go to the land I'm going to show you. He didn't even tell him where he's leading him. Go to the land I'm going to show you, but just 
it's time to leave. I think God often speaks to those who are willing to obey. And if we just can write God a big blank check that says, you, you fill in the amount and you fill in the name of where it's going to go. But God, whatever you say, I'm totally abandoned to what you want to do in my life. God's like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. He's not only going to shape us, he's going to take us on an incredible adventure. And so I, I, I would say to a person who's thinking about giving or new to some of these ideas, um, learn to walk closely with Jesus. Learn to listen to his voice and then follow and do whatever he says. Uh, this isn't about us leading a conversation or us trying to please God through our giving or us trying to earn our own salvation. It's already been paid for. This is about joining the adventure that like God has designed you for good works. Ephesians 2.10, before you were ever born, God saved you for a purpose. He saved you for good works. Uh, you can say yes to those, though, or you can say no. And generosity is a huge way that we say yes. John, I want to bring us back just for a minute before we close about you mentioned, John, the heart language of the Das Not Tripo. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for people that don't know really what that means and why that's important and why you thought it was important? When we think about languages and the need for translation, whether that's the translation of scripture or the, the translation of uh, amazing tools and films like the Jesus film to get into people's heart language, what that means is that many people around the world know lots of languages. People in Africa might know three or four languages. <laughs> America, we're like, we speak English and there's some of us who speak a lot of Spanish and, you know, like, but we're basically, we basically speak English. Lots of people around the world, they're doing business, crossing cultures, mixing with people groups. They're learning all kinds of languages. But there's a language that their mother spoke to them when they were a child, a language that she sang to them in that connects with their heart on a deep level. And so there's story after story after story of people watching the Jesus film in sort of the trade language or watching it in sort of the big you know, language that everybody has to know to go to school or do business. And it still feels foreign to them. Or reading scripture or hearing scripture hmm. in, in one of those big trade languages, it still feels like someone else's God, someone else's religion, someone else's truth. But as soon as you put it in the heart language, it, it, this is the language that people laugh in, dream in, cry in, pray in. When you put Jesus's words in the gospel of Luke in that language, something in their heart comes alive and they go, that God is real. He speaks my language. He came close. His incarnation wasn't just to Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. It was to my tribe, my language, my people group. He can be my savior. And so it's it's a game changer to get it into people's heart languages. Um, yeah, I just wondered, Don, if you have any thought, last thoughts on Jess, why it was so exciting to work with the Jesus film, and maybe it was a different experience for you than other giving, and what kind of came out of it at the end through dawn if um yeah i mean you're going to continue to speak to at conferences you're going to continue to i assume give i mean what does that look like for you with the jews film is that so exciting to be part of yeah, i guess my final thoughts would be going back to that trip to ethiopia sitting in the dirt looking at this big screen set up set up in the midst of a village with people who were barely clothed sitting around it watching the story of Jesus for the very first time in history. The Jesus film is doing historic work. <laughs> They're taking the best news in the world to the people who 2,000 years after Jesus' resurrection have still never had the chance to hear it. 
it's exciting when you get a chance to share your faith in America. It's exciting if you have a coworker or a neighbor who wants to come to church with you. But when you think about the chance to help people who've never, ever had the chance to hear, there's no church in their village. There's no missionary that they know. There's no pastor. There's no scriptures in their language yet that they can read. The Jesus film is going to those kind of places. This is ends of the earth kind of ministry and seeing mm. incredible results. Yeah, we want, to, we want to keep being a part of that. We want to keep giving. We want to keep learning. We want to keep walking with the Jesus Film organization. The people are amazing. The organization is doing incredible work. It just keeps getting better and better and stronger and stronger. It's going to be exciting to see what God does in this last chapter, perhaps, of the Great Commission work and the, the role that Jesus Film has to play in it. Mm-hmm. So Jesus Film is near and dear to our hearts, and we're pumped to be along for the ride. Well, awesome. Thanks for joining us tonight. It was great to hear from you. Awesome. Okay, so let's do that one last question real quick for the first yeah, podcast. Yeah. Don't did you stop it? No, I didn't. Okay, okay. You want to ask it? I just want to know. Yeah, we, we didn't really wrap. remind me again what it was. Well, what oh, the future yeah. future for gospel patrons? And I love oh, yeah. to kind of say like, what innovative ways are you pursuing this? Yeah, if talk, you want to talk, talk about, about your film stuff a little bit too. But yeah, um, great. I'll intro it. Um, great. So, John, what's next for gospel patrons? Yeah, well, Gospel Patrons began with one book, and I thought that was the assignment I needed to fulfill. And then it became two books, just launching a book called Giving Together. If you haven't seen that, it's really exciting, a very complimentary book to Gospel Patrons. And then we be, we began filming short films of modern-day Gospel Patrons. And so we're telling stories of people today, how God is leading them through their generosity, oftentimes as business and professional people, to play major roles in spreading the gospel to their church and to the nations. And so we've begun a series of short documentary films and even put those together into a film night where we're renting out theaters in various cities around the world and doing a film night tour of taking these stories to places like London and Sydney and Southern California and West Texas. It's just fun to see that these stories are spreading. And what's fun about it is that for many, many people, they've never actually seen a film on someone who's a believer who's giving very generously, not for their name to be put on a building, but for the sake of the gospel spreading. And so it's it's disruptive. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's one of those times where people walk out of the theater and their heads are kind of still spinning going, I need two days to process what I just saw because this is a different vision for life. This is a different dream than the American dream. And I think I could make some different choices in my life. I think I could live differently. So we're continuing to film more short documentary films, you know, 10 to 15 minute films, but we're also taking this film night tour on the road and it's been really fun. We'd love anybody to join us as you check out our site, gospelpatrons.org slash events and see if it's in a city coming near you. Um, We have, we have a lot of things going on these days. I'm speaking, continue to write, but uh, this film night tour and these short films are all for free. We're giving them all away. We want people to have a better dream for their lives and the vision that we're often sold and pitched. Okay, what what are some of the cities you're going to? Because we're going to the next one or one of the next ones, right? In Orange County. Yeah, we'll be in Orange Our, County. Well, this will already have happened, so darn yeah. it, can't have yeah. kids for that one. But what are some of the yeah. cities? Okay, so this is going to hopefully launch in April. Okay. So what are some of the cities you're going to next? We'll be in West Texas. We'll be in London. We'll be in Sydney, Australia. We'll be in Newport Beach, wow. California. Uh, we're, we're getting all, we're getting around quite a bit. <laughs> we're on the road quite a lot. Oh, that's so. a good. Yeah. That's great. 
Well, we can't wait to see what God is going to do with gospel patrons in the future. Very excited. We love having you on. Thanks so much for your time. Your gift, both of you. Thanks. As are you.